Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. Wow, today we're joined by Pete Matthews, the podcaster, YouTuber and author of the book Meaningful Money. Money! Wow, thanks so much for joining us, Pete. That's This is amazing. This is a highlight of my year. So thanks so much for, for joining us on the, on the podcast. You're very kind, Neil, and you're also very easily pleased. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here, man. Thank you I've so got much. Your book, actually. I have read it and a big fan. So no, I'm, I'm a great, uh, um, great advocate of your work. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's get into it. So is it possible to outperform the market? Is it possible to beat the market? Yeah, it's possible, but it's really difficult. Or rather, it's difficult. It's difficult to be consistent. Okay. And I would question the need to beat the market. All right. So let's set our stall out right from the start. Right. So uh, you and I are all about sort of helping ordinary people understand their finances better. Right. And investing is part of that. My contention is that investing is the easy bit. Right. We'll no doubt add some meat to that as we go along here. But you know, even the professionals struggle consistently to beat their market. Only about one in five professional fund managers consistently beats the, the market with any kind of regularity. So you'll very often see somebody who's top of the pile this year be fourth quartile, you know, bottom 25% performer over three years or five years or whatever. And then he or she might bounce back up again. And it's very, very difficult to consistently beat the market. And those are professionals, right? They're supposed to know what they're on about. <laughs> but the, they, they are professional, they agree. But a lot of the fund managers are not actually looking to outperform the market. If you look at the money that's going in, are just there to keep wealthy people wealthy. Essentially, yeah. they don't want to beat the market They because most of their clients, essentially, they're, they're high net worth individuals, the clients that I used to work with. And they're just there. They don't want their clients to lose money. That If you look at kind of loss aversion, the actual people are two and a half times more scare or they get mm-hmm. more fear of losing their money than actually gaining the market. So a lot of these fund managers, yes, they're professionals, but they, they want to keep their clients happy. They don't want to be losing their money. They're not actually, they're, they're, the game, their aim is not to beat the market. Their aim is to look after and avoid loss. I'm thinking they don't put that on their literature though, right? You know, because it's not a, not a great sell that, is it? You know, pay yeah, us exactly. three quarters of a percent a year and we'll just do exactly the same as what you could get if you just tracked the market. Exactly. So I'm a passive investment advocate and I'm, yeah. I, you know, I totally understand there's tons of views on this and I think active fund management has its place. Let me know if we need to define that uh, passive and active. Would it help just to confirm? Do you think listeners will be happy with that? Yeah, I mean, passive, it's essentially tracking the, the market, which is hundred biggest companies, or that's a FTSE 100 where you're essentially, you're not looking to beat the market. Whereas active, you're kind of picking individual stocks, thinking that actually going to beat the market. Yeah, exactly right. So if you've got a universe of available funds, your example, uh, available shares rather, your example of FTSE 100, you've got a hundred companies roughly in that index. You either pick and choose which ones in a bid to beat the market as a whole, or you just think, well, sack that. I'm just going to track the market. If you think the FTSE 100 is a good place to invest right now, then you just say, okay, well, I'm going to buy the market. The key thing there, Neil, is massive cost savings and yeah. compounded yeah. cost savings over time. Um, and so my contention is that if you can't consistently beat the market, why would you even try? I just think it adds an extra level of risk. So yes, of course it's possible to beat. Of course it's possible to outperform the market. People do do it all the time. But I just think it's uh, for most ordinary people, that's a poor use of their time and energy trying to beat the market. I think they can add significantly more value in other ways. I agree with a lot of what you say. I guess the question would be, what is the market? 
if you're saying actually FTSE 100, these are the top biggest companies in the UK that are listed in the UK. And these are big lumbering companies and they tend to be very slow moving. So if there's a, a book called um, uh, Jim Slater is a really good fund manager, probably one of the best UK fund managers. And he says that elephants don't gallop. And he uses the example. I love analogies. And he uses the example. These big FTSE 100 companies are like elephants and they move really, really slowly. Whereas he's, if you think of small companies, small FTSE 250 or kind of smaller than that, these can actually move quicker than the market. I mean, I'm a big advocate of evidence, looking at the evidence. What, yep. what is the evidence? And there's a number, there's a number of huge amount of research that's been done. It's, there's been quantum leaps in the amount of research that's yep. been done and about of the actually the amount of Nobel Prize winning economists. So the, the, the information is out there, but I don't think we talk about the ordinary person. I don't think the ordinary person realizes that you can. I, I believe you can beat the market by doing simple things like looking for small companies rather than big companies, rather than the FTSE 100 company. You look at momentum and you mm. can look at value. And yeah, also absolutely. you can look at, we talk about the FTSE 100, which is the UK is a tends to be, a, tends to be a, a developed country. We're kind of mm-hmm. on the kind of scale, but if you look at emerging markets or growing countries, these are small countries who haven't actually grown as quickly. And if you look at some of the other evidence, there's, it's possible to, mm. if you buy sm- smaller growing countries or companies, then these can actually grow quicker than the FTSE 100. Yeah. More volatile ride on the way. So you need to be prepared for that. I mean, you and I, Neil, you know, the, our li- listeners to our podcast, readers of our stuff, we're going to tend to, by definition, attract people who are more interested and engaged with this stuff. And so, you know, I talk to clients all the time who come to me through the podcast and, they've been managing their own money perfectly well for decades, right? So my contention is that, yeah, of course you can beat the market. And if you want to put the effort in to try, then fill your boots. It's your money. You know, you yeah. do what you want to do. Um, yeah. I tend to uh, believe that it's easier to more consistently add value uh, by uh, making sure you're aggressive about costs, tax efficiency, and things like that, yeah, because those things compound that. massively. So it's you know there's plenty of ways to skin a cat. Yeah. And what one thing I I really take issue with very often is people use the word should a lot when it comes to their finances. What should yeah. I do here? What is the best thing to do? Best. There is no should and there is no best. There's a million ways to build wealth. And there's a million places you can focus your energy, all of which will add value. One of them is trying to beat the market. I just, most people I come across haven't got the energy or the time or can be bothered to, to, to do that. In which case, where can they more consistently and more easily add value? And that's what I tend to talk about more often. So, yeah. So we're on the same page. Just, you know, it, it's, a, it's a big book with lots yeah. of different pages and chapters and options. So why should someone listening at home invest their money? Why, why even bother? Yeah, great question. Need to define investment first. So I tend to define that by essentially you're converting your cash into assets. So cash never does anything. Its sole purpose is to be exchanged for stuff. So a pound is always a pound in your bank account, right? It will never grow. But actually, it isn't always a pound it's reducing in the amount of stuff it can buy. So while it'll always be a pound, it'll buy you less stuff in 10 years than it does now. And so the only way to maintain or hopefully increase the buying power of your pounds is to invest them into assets which either grow or throw off an income or both, ideally, right? So 
if you convert your pounds into a property that you rent out, hopefully the property will increase in value and it'll throw off rental income. If you convert it into shares, then hopefully they'll grow and hopefully they'll throw off dividends as well, which you can reinvest. And so that's what investing is. And the simple reason as to why you should do it is to make sure that your pounds can buy you more stuff in future than they can now. So obviously, building wealth is about saving money. So you don't spend all your current pounds. You save some of them up for the future so that you don't have to work until you die. Um, and, you know, you pay into pensions and you pay national insurance. So you've got your state pension. You're putting your current pounds to work against your future aspirations. But part of the way of making it work is to make sure that they actually grow rather than reducing in buying power. So nobody ever got rich by leaving their money in the bank. It just doesn't happen that way. Certainly not now with interest rates where they've been for the last 12, 13 years or so. Um, so that's why you should invest. If you want to have any kind of interesting future where you're not tied to your desk or your job, yeah. then you have to invest in some fashion to build wealth of the future. Yeah, some really good points. I think what you mentioned about your future aspirations, that's really powerful. I think that's, that's, really, that's really a good thing to think about. I think about it. The way is imagine meeting yourself in the future, 20 years time. And actually, mm -hmm. is that person going to come in and shake your hand or is he going to be what have you what did you do with my my life? And it, essentially three reasons to invest. So life, giving yourself a better life for the, yourself at the moment and your future. So freedom. So you can have the choice when you wake up to choose what you do with your day. If you rather than going to work or yep. work or you can choose to work for joy rather than working for necessity yep. and the third reason and the pursuit of happiness what's the kind of meaning of life maybe is maybe to be happy and give yep. you and yourself why are you working give yourself and your family a better life for for now and in the future that's yeah. the reasons yeah great idea great point it's funny isn't it? are we when you sort of get behind the mic every week and you, you sort of eventually you, you distill your thinking on things to some salient points this podcast is brought to you by the book millennial money mindset if you want the fruit you need the roots it's the five-step method to getting money mindset getting more money into your pocket more time in your day and less stress in your life get your copy today you can pick it up on amazon in print kindle or audible version we also give away some free training with every book bought which is automating your finances to get more me time. So you have more time to do the things that you love with your, with your day. Get your copy today. You distill your thinking on things to some salient points, like your three points there. I always say the only three uses for money are for, you know, spending on stuff now, uh, storing up for the future and giving away. Those are the yeah. only, it's the only point, right? And money is never uh, just something to be obtained for its own sake or built for its own sake. It's got to be put to use. And uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're dead right. No, I think I totally agree with you. So Meaningful Money Podcast. Wow, it's been downloaded 5 million times. That is yep. insane. That is incredible. So yeah, congratulations on all your hard Thank work. You. I've, I've been following you for, for a long time. I've, I was listening to you as I was doing my financial advice um, qualifications and yeah. sealed the information much easier, simpler, and cool. more fun, interesting as well. So yeah, how, so credit you. to your, your hard work. So maybe let's go all the way back to why you started your your meaningful money podcast and your youtube channel I've, you've also got a youtube channel i've seen some of the old videos of you on the beach that they're, they're really good <laughs> i started uh, yeah. on youtube yeah yeah uh, and so it's for the listener at home thinking oh kind of want you looking at your studio now it looks amazing but kind of think back to the day you, the moment you decide to start your podcast tell me kind of walk me through those reasons yeah 
three reasons primarily that kind of came together at the at the same time and that's what was the the trigger for for starting the whole project i wanted to you know, I'm a financial planner for a living. So I see clients every day. By definition, they tend to be the wealthier clients because they pay us a lot of money. We're a chartered financial planning firm. Um, you know, I like to think we had sufficient value for the fees and plenty more besides. But, you know, somebody with 100 quid a month to invest is not going to pay us 3,000 quid for a financial plan, right? So we tend to deal at the richer end of the uh, client um, spectrum, inevitably. But that kind of didn't sit right with me. I don't have any moral issues with helping rich people get richer or to distribute their wealth down to their family or to the causes they care about. That's a noble calling in my book, but it wasn't enough for me. I wanted to kind of make a bit of a bigger dent really in the universe. And and we don't teach people this stuff. So I wanted to try and get the information out to as many people as possible. So that was the first thing. Second thing was that in various spheres of my life, people told me I was good at explaining things. So, you know, around the dinner table with my kids then at the time, they're both adults now, but at the time they were kids, you know, um, I was in a, I was a, on a, a board of governors at local school. I would preach in my church, that sort of stuff. I, a few people just said to me, you know, you're quite good at explaining things. You have a knack of putting things simply. And that kind of sunk in. But then the third thing was that I read a book called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk, who's one yeah. of my online heroes. And essentially the premise of that book was his story, which I won't go into now, but he's just a real sort of success story, Russian immigrant to New York. Um, but essentially the premise of the book is that whatever your message is, the mechanisms are there now for you to get that message out for free or nearly free. And there are no gatekeepers. There's no you know, producer of a TV show telling you you're too fat or you're not pretty enough or your accent doesn't fit or anything like that. There is now no gatekeeper between you and your audience. And so he just said, look, just start. And if it's any good, people will listen. And so I bought a flip video camera, which I'm looking up because it's up on my shelf. There is a sort of a relic of how it started and about the size of a packet of fags, 720 point high definition. And I went down onto the prom in Penzance very early one morning and just said, I propped it up on a wall and said, I'm going to talk about money. I'm going to explain how it works. Didn't tell us all what I was doing and just started shooting videos. And they were very simple back then. Didn't edit them, you know, to any extent. Audio was shocking. Um, you know, I sometimes have to wait for the lens to demist on a cold morning and stuff yeah. like that. So it's a little bit more controlled now. But I mean, I've been doing this 11 years. Um, and I'm still surprised by the success of it. But really, that's just down to really getting on board fairly early certainly with the podcast space there was hardly anybody else doing it when i started in 2012 uh youtube channel actually started in 2010 incredibly so you know i've just kept going and that's why the numbers now are starting to get quite big and interesting particularly in the podcast because five million is a big number um but it's, it's all scale you know it took me i don't know it's like six years or something to get my first million and then you know now i'm adding a million every nine months so it, it's just about you know that exponential growth and you keep pumping out the content you keep trying to help people and it's just completely changed my life really it's a business in its own right it sends the vast majority of our new clients to my practice here jackson's wealth management in penzance so it's um it's been a pretty cool project but really i just love playing with my toys you know i love buying new equipment yeah. and finding new ways to do things and say things and produce video and lighting and all this sort of stuff so uh it combines my love of technology and nerdiness with my desire to help as many people as possible ah fantastic so your podcast is called meaningful money so why did you call it that what is meaningful for you and what is being meaningful with your money yeah great question um we touched on it already really 
money is a great servant, but a lousy master. Yeah. All right. So it's a, it's only ever a means to an end, never an end in itself. People who pursue money for its own sake, you don't want to go out for dinner with those people. They're generally very unpleasant. They're very greedy. They're, they'll tread on anybody to get where they want to go. But I spend my life working with clients, and it might surprise many listeners to know that the actual money side of what we do is probably a tenth of where we spend our efforts. The vast majority of what I do is getting to know my clients really, well, really, really well, understanding what they want to achieve and really drilling down onto that and really understanding what they care about. Very often it's family. Very often it's giving their own kids, uh, you know, a start in life that they never had. Um, it's supporting the causes that they're passionate about. My job is to find out what really matters to these people, what's meaningful to them, and then making the money fit. And so essentially that's meaning is, is, is unique to each individual. Um, I don't particularly ever want to retire in a sense. I'm, I, from what you said right at the beginning, you know, it's about, uh, being able to work for the fun of it rather than because I have to. So I'm pursuing that, but not aggressively. I'm not in a fire movement person You know, where I want to, you know, retire before I'm 40, too late for that anyway, I'm 46. So do you know what I mean? Each to their own. But for me, I just want to enjoy life in the present, store it well for the future and keep doing what I'm doing till I, till I drop really, or until my wife tells me to stop. Obviously. Yeah, that's great. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's amazing. I think for me, meaning is about, meaning is finding your meaning. Like the meaning of life is to find your, your, your meaning. So it's about experiencing your, your life to the fullest, living a good life. And for me, it's helping other people to find their, gain their freedom and so by giving them, helping them with their money and having, by having more money gives you better access to choices and choices can lead to, to having freedom. So mm. and also finding, I've, I've thought about this quite a lot, actually, I've kind of I'm writing my second book actually. And part of it is talking about freedom. I, I wasn't confident enough to write about freedom in my first book. And I think I've kind of thought about it a lot more. And for me, it's about finding your unique talent. So we as humans all have kind of strengths and weaknesses, and it's doubling down on our strengths and mm -hmm. kind of the great and kind of almost helping getting other people to help you for your weaknesses. As a business owner myself, you can outsource a lot of the stuff yeah. and can double down on what you're good at. I, I like to think I'm quite good at explaining things simply and easily in a kind of a fun way. And yeah, it's essentially, yeah. Meaning for me is about, yeah. Finding out where you can make the greatest contribution and do it. Yeah. That's, that's essentially yeah. that it's a bit deeper, meaningful, but, uh, but yeah, yeah that's, that's true kind of though. I'm thinking about and money's only purpose is to support that stuff. You know, if it gives you the freedom to be able to pursue that stuff more readily then it's served its purpose. Um, you know, I often say money is an enabler. Yeah, but it's also a disabler if you if you know if you don't get it right, uh, you know you might want to retire at sixty so that you can spend more time boring dancing or whatever. But if you don't have the income or the assets to support that, then you're not going to be able to, are you? So it's an enabler and a disabler, and it's really I mean, it's really important. Money is very important. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it needs to be put in its place. And you mentioned the fire movement, which I, I really I'm a big believer in. I think the fire movement is great. It's kind of changed the mindset of the old model of retiring at 65 where actually, yeah, yeah, actually if I have enough assets, I can, you're financially independent. For me, it's more about being independent and yeah. self 
um, self-reliant and it's not yeah. about retiring early for exactly. me in my, my first book, Millennial Money Mindset, I talk about not necessarily being fire financially independent and retire early. It's more for me, it's more about financially. In, I talk about fish, so it's uh, financial independence and seeking happiness. Whereas actually, it's finding out what you want to do with your life. And once you have enough money, then you can kind of wake up each morning and decide what to do with your day. And that's kind of that's yeah, fantastic. You can pick up. Yeah, yeah. I have a son, I can go and pick, I'm going to pick him up from school later on. If I was kind of stuck in a nine to five, I might not be able to do that because I've yeah. kind of in this chain to the desk. And this, I think what you said about money being an enabler is really powerful. I haven't heard, I haven't heard that. I, you might've mentioned it on your podcast, but yeah, I've, that's, that's really powerful for me. That's, that's quite a good point you make there. Cool. Good. So we talk about yeah, money as being an enabler, but what's your kind of favorite mistake with money? Have you got any embarrassing <laughs> habits? Favorite mistake. <laughs> um, I, I, I buy too much kit that I don't need. Very recent example of this. Um, Joe said to me, this, the Hoover that we bought like two years ago, yeah. it's just not good on this p- particular bit of floor we've got. We need to, the, but there's a head, a special yeah. head for this Hoover. I was like, okay, right, let's get it in. It was like 40 quid or something for this head. And so we got it and she's, you know, we're absolutely delighted with it. It works really, really well. Much better job at sucking stuff up off the floor. Yeah. Um, and about six weeks after we bought it, we opened a cupboard <laughs> and realized that the Pippin Hoover came with one of these heads, but oh, okay. we just put it away when we first got the Hoover and forgot about it. And so we now we have two. And so ah. it's stuff like that, that it's not, it happens more often than you think. I think, ah, oh, I need one of these things uh, to make my life somewhat easier in the studio or to make something look a bit better or whatever. And I buy one and I realize that I bought one three years earlier. I have 10 microphones. Yeah. All right. For all different things. I could, pr- I could probably make do with fewer than 10 microphones, but I do have to. <laughs> and I just sometimes think, is this a real problem? But I mean, Hoovers. we've we've got a robo hoover have you ever heard of these it's oh changed, yeah it's changed our life it's well not changed our life but you can just set it off and it goes and hoovers away by itself and you can go and do other tasks i kind of my partner bought it and it's kind of sold i was sold on it by saying it's going to save loads of time because you don't have to kind of walk around doing hoovering you just press a button and it kind of whizzes yeah, off and goes you haven't got a dog have you no, no, I got Good. a cat, but yeah, it's not. yeah. You hear lots of stories about them sort of smearing dog poo all over the houses. <laughs> those those robo vacuums, yeah, and they can't tell the difference. I remember before I was married, we um, you know just talking about sort of financial mistakes. Uh, I mean, this for me was a real pivotal moment, and I'm amazed that my then fiance still agreed to marry me after this. We were going away for a weekend away. Tune in for the second part of this interview. Stay tuned because it gives away loads of value in the second part of the interview. This book was where it all started. So I started this podcast to help talk about and share my story about millennial money mindset. It's a book about wealth, death and happiness. And it also about how we humans have lost our connection with nature. It aims to put money into your pocket reduce your stress and worry around money and get more time back in your day it's available on amazon in print audible or kindle version so get your copy today this has been millennial money mindset if you want the fruits you need the roots this has been the final interview of the season four of the podcast thanks so much for joining us this season has been packed full with guests giving away huge amounts of values money Mindset. I think that sounds alright.